unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello. Welcome to Recent Ramble. It's the more recent events podcast where we cover all the TV, film, and other popular culture of late. My name's Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And in Recent Ramble, what we like to do is exactly the same as what we do in Retro Ramble, but instead of delving into the past, we just take a look at what's going on right now. Isn't that right, George? Exactly right. We just can't be, you know, continually looking in the past. We need to focus on the present or even look forward. Well, it also goes to show that this is this was not just a, a passing fad for us, that we are still going to the cinema, hammering away on our uh, PlayStations. We're, we're consuming a lot of streaming services just to stay in touch with what's out there. So in this episode, we're going to be covering a mixture of uh, what's been out at the cinema, what's really good to stream, and a little bit on gaming, because it is that time of the year where a lot of cool games are coming out. So, George, what, what are we going to start off with? On our last recent ramble, I think, do we talk about Solo and, and Deadpool? So That's correct, Deadpool 2, yeah. We've, uh, we've missed out on a few of the later summer blockbusters. So I'm thinking I will start, because you have not seen it, I uh, was privy to seeing Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, or Jurassic World 2, or Jurassic Park 6... Is it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Whatever, whatever makes it easier to understand. Yeah. Or, or Jurassic Park colon Co- world Co- <laughs> for, for fallen colon fallen uh, colon or colon world. Right. So yeah, uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So this is set three years after Jurassic World. So for those of you who have seen Jurassic World, spoilers. But at the end of Jurassic World, the park is destroyed and uh, the the island of dinosaurs is abandoned. So this picks up with some uh, nifty retconning. All of a sudden, uh, it's revealed that Isla Nublar, the the island of Jurassic Park, is actually host to a dormant volcano, and it's going to erupt, and all the dinosaurs are going to be killed. So... Owen Grady, played by Chris Pratt, and Claire Deering, played by Bryce Dallas Howard, return to the island to save the remaining dinosaurs before the volcano explodes. However, being a Jurassic Park film, there are evil, nefarious poacher types that want to sell the dinosaurs for money or to turn them into weapons or something. I'm not entirely sure. Right. This is directed by Juan Antonio Bayona, who is uh, primarily known for his uh, horror films. I think he did The Orphanage, and I think he also did uh, A Monster Calls, which was which was a very good film last year. And it's a bit of a diminishing returns. This film, really. I mean, I think a lot of people had whilst Jurassic, the first Jurassic World was a massive hit. A lot of people had reservations with it. I know you did, didn't you, Charlie? Yeah, I just felt it was it was sold to us as being they're going back to the island and this time it's going to be something you've never seen before. And it was like, yeah, not in not in this canon, but I had seen it elsewhere. It was just I, I don't know it's just a very much of a letdown. 
and very much looked like they were just trying to hook another generation and didn't really care about the nostalgia side of it, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, when I first saw it, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great blockbuster. I thought, you know, it did everything a Jurassic Park film should, and it was not, had some nice callbacks, but it was... Yeah, as you say, trying to do something for a new generation. But the more I saw it, the more it fell apart. It has horrendous plot holes. It has characters you really don't care about. And it has a lot of dodgy CG when obviously we've covered on Retro Ramble in the past, you know, about the the awesomeness of the original Jurassic Park, why it still holds up and why the effects still hold up. So, yeah, this, this film tries to sort of um, rectify some of those issues from the first one. So it tries to give those bland characters some sort of backstory, but they don't really have much of a backstory still. Chris Pratt is very much bland action man. He doesn't really have much motivation for things apart from his motivation. And this is he's attached to the the raptor blue that he's you know reared from from childhood i love dinosaurs yeah uh, well they, they they both love dinosaurs so what's her face bryce dallas howard's character claire who was you know miss corporate ceo running around in high heels in the first one is now all uh, i love dinosaurs and campaigning for their safety and it tries to make a potentially interesting point about the fact that they are real animals and that they should be protected even though they are genetically engineered that they should have rights as well but that's quickly abandoned for explosions <laughs> um so yeah the first half is very much action based and it's quite you know they're on the island the volcano is going off and there's some quite quite good physical comedy there's some good action and then the film does a very weird switch and it switches to this house in a mansion in the mountains where the the action takes place. I don't want to go into too much detail, but I could if I wanted to because the trailers have spoiled everything. There's no surprises left. If you've seen any of the Jurassic World trailers, nothing is left to, to a surprise. So that's probably one of the biggest things that works against it is there's no tension despite they've come up with, again, another genetically engineered evil dinosaur that's sort of more raptor than T-Rex um, and is properly evil. Like, you can see how it it's clever and sinister and it toys with people. And yeah, so the second half goes a bit haunted house-esque and that's kind of plays to the director's strengths. But it's a bit weird for a Jurassic Park film to be all set in this house. Uh, it does sound very weird. It sounds very jarring from, well, I don't know, what, we, well, what we're used to seeing. We're well, used yeah, to seeing it. Yeah, the, you know, these epic vistas, you know, jungles and things like that. And then you've King got... King Kong, King Kong type worlds. Yeah, and, and then now you've got sort of... Uh, basements and hallways and rooftops uh, in the you know on this country estate so it's it's quite weird but I mean you know hats off them to try and do something different but it doesn't ultimately work very well and its biggest crime is that the trailers tease the return of Jeff Goldblum and he is literally in a blink and you miss it cameo so how dare you how dare you sir that's just not fair I don't know what the I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, there's in when I was obviously we've been watching all of these blockbusters and I was looking at some of the numbers and seeing how they were performing and seeing how they were ranking. And at one point, since we've been all been away, hopefully on at some point in August on holiday during that holiday period, there were eight of the 10 films in the top 10 were all sequels. Of course they were. 
And yeah, but I mean, it just it really does go to show how much of of a conveyor belt it is at the moment. That it's not about telling a story or about you know it's they because there's the thing about films should be one of two things for me. They should be either art or entertainment. Now, oh, obviously, art or ass. I mean, sorry, entertainment. Artistic or astastic. No, but if you've listened to our podcast, you can tell that obviously the films we like to cover at least very much veer on the side of the entertainment. But we love our share of art. We appreciate, we, you know, we appreciate it. We watch it. They just, we can't have as much film and banter. And we don't look back longingly on the nostalgia in terms of the, you know, of the gritty sort of artistic films. But Whereas these these sequels just seem to be just just give it more of the same, more of the same. And I just wonder what they were trying to do with Jurassic Park, even from the first reboot. Like what was let's call no, not let's call it Jurassic World. Let's not call it Jurassic Park. Okay. But it's not really a world, it's still an island, it's just a new name for a theme park and you're not releasing the dinosaurs on the city. Well, the, 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 it's like a really bad plan for, I mean, surely they should, whoever put this project on the table in Hollywood had a plan for a trilogy. Well, no, the, 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 that's the, the problem. I, said, I didn't really want to sort of go into it, but it does open up interesting avenues for the third, the inevitable third one and from reading interviews with Colin Trevorrow or Trevorrow however you pronounce his name who directed the first one and has wrote and produced this one is basically those first two chapters are leading to what he wanted to get to like of Jurassic World of and that kind of sort of sums it up of of dinosaurs loose in the real world and it seems like a lot of padding to get there so yeah it'll be interesting to see what they're if they've been building up to this um what the third one's gonna you know what's gonna happen in the third one but um haven't got exactly high hopes uh for it i mean i, I you know chances are being you know a fan of the series i will go and i'll still go and see it but i haven't got overly high hopes for it overall two and a half out of five i'd say So moving on, next up, a film that we not only have both seen, but we had the glorious opportunity to see together. Yes, yes, we did. We we uh, we held hands. We we held each other. We were both very much looking forward to. I mean, for me, I said this on a previous episode. Outside of you know the Avengers: Infinity War, this was my most anticipated film of the summer, and I'm glad it delivers. So yeah, Mission Impossible: Fallout. And it does deliver, doesn't it? I think that's one thing you have to say about this film is that when you think of the year so far it is very much Avengers Infinity War 18 films in the making yeah. but this was only six films in the making but spread over a longer period this seems to carry more with it you and I have talked about the first two and we delved a little bit in terms of how the series has evolved that it's it started off being a a different director a different style but then it got um, you know, the first two were a bit the Tom Cruise show and then it evolved into more of a team-based thing, a bit more comedy, intermixed with the, the Tom Cruise doing crazy stunts. But this was really interesting because it is a direct sequel to Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and it's the returning director, so Christopher McQuarrie, who's a regular collaborator with uh, Tom Cruise Returns. 
you and I were at the Empire podcast. It was about a year or so ago, wasn't it? Where yeah, he... at the live show. Yes, yeah, uh, it was uh, live at the Prince Charles. And the surprise guest was Christopher McQuarrie. And it was a bit of an odd choice because he didn't really have anything live to promote. But he was in pre-production on Mission 6, as he was calling it then. And I remember him saying... I'm I'm acting, I'm pretending that this film's being made by another director. I'm sort of trying to forget every, all my tricks that I know and trying to approach it like somebody else has directed it. And to a certain extent, it does feel like a very different film. Would you agree? Absolutely. It does feel like... You, I think this shows his talent, um, Macquarie, by the way. I think this kind of shows that he has very much looked at the last film and said, OK, what... If another director was to take over from me in the style of Mission and they were to do uh, a follow-on film in a different style, what would they have to do for me, Christopher McCoy, to be happy with it? Do you know what I mean? I get the feeling that that's what he's done. He's like, okay, so if you weren't me, but it's me. Do you know what I mean? So that's, that's what I feel he's done. Like he's developed all of the characters. The plot is similar. It's a repetition, but it's different. You can grasp onto it. It doesn't spend too much time on plot. And it's got some of the best action sequences that I think not only you've seen this year, but in a, in a good few years. Oh, you no, know, in the, the action stakes, it is phenomenal. I mean, it's for me, it's in that same breathlessness, sort of exhausting action cinema up there, you know, like Mad Max, Fury Road, The Raid, where it's, it's relentless. Yeah, I mean, such good pace, but you feel like you're on the ride. It is that horrible cliche that you, that, what was it? Was it the mirror or the Daily Star? A roller coaster ride of a film. You do feel like you've been taken on this ride. You feel like you're being thrown off the motorcycle. I mean, there's some really impressive stuff. Obviously, there's some stuff that's been, that doesn't look as, as impressive as it should do, you know, in the film with the, the halo jump. Yes. that he did all of these jumps, he did hundreds of jumps, that he actually did the halo jump, but because of restrictions or costs or whatever, they did it in Abu Dhabi. And so for the film, they had to superimpose the skyline of Paris underneath it, and it looked fake. And I know directly from Paramount that that was kind of like, well, it needs must, but just a real shame. And that's kind of why the featurette, which I've only seen bits of, but the featurette that talks about the halo jump, it, it's all about that. That actually worked really well to sell the film because it showed st- they, they needed this featurette because without it, it would look, everyone would think that it was just a CGI scene. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's got some phenomenal action in it. You know, it's got some such uh, well choreographed fight scenes like that bathroom brawl uh, with Henry Cavill is yeah. uh, is amazing. One of the weaknesses with the last one, Rogue Nation, was the it started off very strong but then sort of petered out towards the end. Whereas this doesn't. They have properly, you know, go all guns blazing and it's tense right up to the last few seconds. Interestingly, that Macquarie, as you say, you know, he's very good. The fact that he's a writer and director, he manages to give the characters their own sort of little moments to shine and amazingly still managing to add some backstory to Ethan Hunt and put him in a different uh, place. We get to see him make mistakes and the the actions that will, you know, that occur from that. I I like the relatableness of making him more human, making mistakes. And also the fact that he seems to have embraced his age more in this film. 
and even, and not just in how he looks, but putting him next to Henry Cavill, who is a 2018 version of Ethan Hunt. Do you know what I mean? Because you wouldn't get away with a Tom Cruise if there was another person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If yeah. Making Mission Impossible today, it would be very unlikely that they would put, I don't know who you'd call the Tom Cruise equivalent, I suppose. Well, interestingly, that Tom Cruise had met Henry Cavill before because Tom Cruise was originally lined up to play Napoleon Solo in the Man from Uncle remake. And right. then due to scheduling, he had to drop out and they cast Henry Cavill. And I think they'd sort of their paths had crossed during audition or I, th- I don't know if Cruz had been involved in some sort of production capacity and I think Henry Cavill said oh yeah we literally like met for five minutes like about ten years ago and uh, and Tom sort of obviously remembered everything about it <laughs> I think Henry Cavill gets a, uh, a lot of stick he hasn't had the best opportunities with the Superman the DC franchise um, well yeah because you and I are both members of the of a, of a certain James Bond group on Facebook for Bond fans only and there's a lot of hate directed towards him and it's basically because of Justice League and the DC films everyone says he's just a pretty boy he's you know he's not a good actor but which um, is not true well, it's not true. I mean, yeah, he's he's really good in this. He's a really good, formidable antagonist, you know, for for Ethan Hunt. And yeah, he's. I think something that the the Mission Impossible series have struggled with is a a physical threat to Ethan Hunt. I mean, we've we've agreed that uh, Dugarry Scott, for all his menacing, is not really much of a of a threat. And Sean Harris isn't much of a physical threat he'll whisper whisper you to death with his dead eyes his dead eyes his shark like eyes but Sean Harris is still very good in this Um, I'd I'd say he's better in this than he is in in Rogue Nation he's got more to do in this so yeah I I also think he's kind of showing what disclaimer Christopher Waltz as Blofeld in the last Bond film spoiler (laughs) was not as good as Christopher Waltz in Inglorious Bastards as terrifying and I think that Sean Harris is is what I'm trying to say is Bond villain completely 101 you know it's like oh Sean Harris is is terrifying in every role I've seen him in I mean he's real um, life I reckon he's terrifying in real life. Oh, he's yeah. You get the the impression he's a very intense man, but yeah, he's um, he's done a lot of like British dramas. He's terrifying in uh, the Red Riding trilogy um, that was on Channel Four. That's a very bleak sort of um, murder mystery thing. Yeah, he's just very good at doing the uncomfortable characters. In terms of weaknesses on this film, I mean, you know, you and I've been raving about it. Um, I would say the the plot is a little bit convoluted. It, it runs you around in circles, and it's probably worth actually saying um, to, to our listeners that if you haven't checked it out already, you have to check out the the Empire spoiler special interview with Christopher McQuarrie for both this film and Rogue Nation. They are fascinating insights into how a film of this scale gets made and all the the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And Chris McQuarrie basically says, yeah, loads of people have complained about the plot being complicated. Bottom line, it's just about revenge. I think it tries to do too much to wrap you up in all this double crossing and who's who. And and would you agree on that? Absolutely. I think I can actually zero in on it because it kind of occurred to me while we were watching the film. And I think you could have cut out that entire Apostles rubbish. Yeah. They could have just said... Um, Solomon Lane is in prison. However, 
that the, somebody's filled space. It's this guy called John, or is it John Lark? John Lark. Uh, I need a name that I can easily pronounce. Uh, no, so I think that would have been enough. I think I think that would have that would have been enough. But even, it's because you and I talked about this. It's the mission briefing he gets. Even when you're going through them, you're like, this has got to be as long as all of the mission briefings he's had so far put together. It's really complicated. Um, there's a it, lot. There's a huge exposition dump, isn't it? It's a massive dump of ex- exposition. And I remember just going through all this. Go because if you looking back at the end of the film, if you think like what could have actually been stricken from that mission briefing, it's uh, you know like without going into too much detail about the end of the film, it's just that those apostles things. It doesn't come up again. It's all about Tom Cruise. It's all about Solomon Lane and this John Lark character, and then obviously. That girl from The Crown, I can't remember her name. Vanessa Kirby is uh, the actress's yeah. name. That's, those are the characters in this. The apostles don't feature at all. Yeah, the, I, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of characters and there's a lot, yeah, there is a lot of misdirection. No, my point is in that first mission briefing is about two or three minutes talking about uh, how actually the apostles are this team of people who have been keeping it going for Solomon Cain while he's in prison. And... John Locke is in contact with the apostles. They could have just you could just cut that entire apostles thing. Anyway, yeah. it was a lot of exposition. My only negative thing about this film, uh, something that affected both of us, uh, was that it is such the type of film you want to watch with a crowd. And we watched it with a great crowd, didn't we? And yes. You want to be there. As, you want the gasps. You want the nervous laughter. The things that you get when you're when you're in a film, an action film that actually works. Um, but we couldn't see this in IMAX. Yes. And, I, and I'm putting this down as a negative thing because the reason we couldn't go and see it in IMAX is because after, what was it, just one week it yeah. had gone to Ant-Man and the Wasp? It's worth saying that we were both back home in Newcastle at that time. So, yes, it's, it may be a little bit different in London. But, yeah, we had a week of showings of IMAX and then it was nothing but Ant-Man and the Wasp on IMAX. And I went to see Ant-Man and the Wasp and Ant-Man seems to have gone from an interesting different track for Marvel to a complete family-friendly film um, with Michael Douglas's head superimposed on somebody else's body for a large part of the final act. Um, well, I, think I, was, that, I think that's what uh, Downey Jr. is doing these days. They pay him $50 million just to uh, CGI his head onto a uh, CGI double. <laughs> I hadn't noticed it, though, until... Because with, to- with Tony Stark, with, with Downey Jr., just like... Is it him? Is it not him? That looks a bit taller than Downey Jr. Oh, I suppose he's got boots and everything. Mm. But no, but with Douglas, you go, there's no effing way that is Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's moving far too nimbly and there's not a woman in sight. And he's just he's just so well built. He looks like about half a foot taller than he is normally. But no, I'm very disappointed about, that's my only gripe about this film. Some Maybe some could argue that there's too much action, that it's too fast paced, but come on. It's Mission Impossible, Mr. Hunt. Um, it's I, I, I loved it and just would have loved to have seen it in IMAX but I'm not sure about the end about the um, but this whole him getting long in the tooth is he going to settle down I don't know it just felt flat on me because mm-hmm. we all knew that this film was going to be successful and due to its success we know there's going to be another one yes yeah I mean yeah it will be interesting to see where where it does go whether Macquarie does return he's been very uncommittal as he was with the last one but oh, I know, think it, it would be great for him to return I think the the, the David Schwimmer money that it's making uh, I'm sure Paramount will be turning up with a dump truck of money um, at his door to, <laughs> to complete the trilogy so yeah I think it's safe to say uh, f- five stars from me 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely for me. Um, maybe nine out of ten, but five stars. That mm. doesn't make sense. Very quickly, I will cover two other films that I've seen, which both have the number two in them. As I mentioned before, yes, uh, a lot of sequels out there. Um, so more re most recently, I've seen Equalizer 2. Now, obviously, if you've listened to the podcast, you'll know I had a lot of love for the first one. The Equalizer, I felt that this was um, the Jack Reacher film that we'd all been waiting for but hadn't been delivered by Mr. Cruz who we were just talking about Denzel is big he's foreboding and he and he's a you know an Oscar worthy actor he did a great job on the first one it was about the Russian mafia it was all very current it ended in a B&Q it was great you took the words out of my mouth and it ended up with a showdown with an assassin using nothing but B&Q paraphernalia hardware supplies hardware supplies to take out its uh, villains and that's what's really missing from the second film. Yes, it's a typical B&Q. No, it's yes, it's missing B&Q or IKEA or whatever. They missed I don't think they realized how much of a success the film that was in that they've taken this story forward. Yes, it's somebody else who means something to him and it's an interesting way of positioning it's very predictable you kind of think you know who the body is and it's kind of revealed but rather than taking them to being q which is what i was really hoping was going to happen or even ikea or even i don't know burger king you know yeah. um even and i mean obviously he's a lift driver that's how he's finding his jobs and he's he's being the, playing the good samaritan when he sees crime come via his uh, I, I just hate crime exactly he sees he hears all of these stories and he interacts with these people in his through his uh, his Lyft job please don't say Uber don't compare him to Uber uh, <laughs> because Lyft have paid for the product placement yeah uh, so there's, there's all that but yeah it's kind of more of this, it, it's it's held together by some great performance from him. You know, well, the, the it's, it's Denzel. You know, the man can't put in a bad performance. No, I've I've loved him in pretty much everything he does. And once again, he arrives here, and it's great. And there's there's him monologuing. There's him like doing uh, the watch thing. I'm assuming do lots of timing. There is there's a great little scene that's thrown in the beginning. It's like if you loved that in the first one, here it is again. It's a different actor. Uh, yeah, but, but that is the kind of the problem with the film. There's some action at the beginning. There is an act three, and there's a lot in the middle with no action, and it's really slow in the middle. And I went in to watch this film, and I'd read the critics, and everyone was like, "It's all right." It was a bit meh. It was very low down and I'm normally more positive than the critics and I went in there and I'm still more positive but I, it was kind of sluggish in the middle and I'm not sure if they will make a third one we, we, we shall see no, no uh, post credits reveal of him crossing paths with John Wick um, a man can hope once again brother I was gonna that was my next point uh, <laughs> I was gonna great say, minds great minds the only way I can see this being salvaged is if the world gives us what we want, which is J 
John, you heard about this this guy. John, you working again? And then and they their paths cross. No, but the thing is, I think John Wick is is quickly becoming the, this generation's Chuck Norris of that he he will he cannot be stopped. So I think yeah, it would be even as much of a badass as Denzel is. I think it would be a one sided thing, especially if Denzel's you know equalizer had something to do with the killing of a family pet or something like that, or his well, car. It is it is ironic that because what what Keanu's what must be approaching fifty. Uh, I think Keanu's fifty one. I think that's what I mean. So Keanu's yeah. just hit fifty, and I'm pretty sure Denzel's in his sixties. So it's kind of I could be wrong on that. Denzel could be a very fighter. I think, 50. I think Denzel's mid fifties, maybe mid to late fifties. Really, are they that close together? Let's have a look. Um, oh, you're right. You're right, Snow. My, my correction. He is. He is sixty. Uh, Denzel is sixty-three. Yeah. Keanu. Keanu Reeves movie. Keanu Reeves. Well, as a lot of people will tell you, I mean, he is immortal. Talking while searching. I, I like that. Maybe. Maybe. I'm, I'm, I may be filling time. Um, but he is immortal. There are memes online where it's like a Dorian Gray thing. There's a. There's like an oil painting from the 16th century that looks like Keanu Reeves. Let me start on that. I just got told today that Avril Lavigne died three years ago and there's been somebody replaced her, some Mexican girl. Amazing. Uh, So Keanu Charles Reeves, uh, full name, is 54 years old. So nine years between the two. But it is funny that they are two... Born in Beirut, the Lebanon. In 1964. Sorry, I'll stop. Okay, calm down. Calm down, internet boy. Yeah, so it's crazy to think those are the two big action stars are these, you know, these guys who are like 50s, the new 30, man. If you love the Equalizer, I'd probably... You, you wait could see for Netflix? Yeah wait, yeah, wait for a streaming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting. There's a good performance with that guy from uh, Narcos. Um, oh, Pedro Pascal. Yeah, and they do do some interesting work with, like, I guess you could say the tropes, or you, you know the more technical terms, the pace of the film, the structure. It's, it's, it's. Oh, uh, you mean the generic conventions? Yes. So that was uh, the Equalizer Two. Check it out if you can, and if you can't, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> Incredibles, duh. I'm interested to to hear your thoughts on this because I don't know if it's just me or whether it's, you know, World Cup summer and what have you, but they seem to arrive with very little fanfare or, or expectation, which is a shame because I watched the first one. I'm trying to get all of my daughter into it and, and she did actually watch it in, in two halves and I forgot how good it is, the, the first one. So I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this. The good news is it is... I would say as good as the first. Ooh. The only thing to think about it is it doesn't have the originality, but it does an amazing. It has been I I don't know whose hands it's been put in. Is it Brad Bird again? Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's Brad Bird. Well, that's back. probably why. It seems like it's exactly it shows his talent because it's exactly the sequel it deserved. The question going through your head is why did they wait? What is it? Six years since uh, they did fifteen. Really? Is it that long? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's what's on show here is the graphics, the CGI people. It's actually pretty mind-boggling oh, what, what they're doing and the way that it looks. Um, but, yeah, and I mean, I'm not going to say too much about it. It's just, just if you go see it, it's brilliant. And there's some nice surprises in it that 
I don't want to tell people what those surprises. They're not even like I'm not talking about massive um, plot devices and stuff. I'm just talking about little things here and there that you might not have expected, which I think replace some of the the, the lack of originality. So hmm. go and see it. It's great. It is as good as the. I would say it's just slightly less than the first film, but it's right up there. Um, I'm hoping they're going to make another one, and I'm pretty sure they are because it's Disney and it's reliable. I did see quite a bit of marketing on um, because obviously I have a son who is buying some of these Disney items. Hmm. He got a a magazine for cars, and all over the back of it was about the was about the Incredibles. Oh, incredible! Les Incroyables. Incroyables. So yeah, that's why I I did struggle to see it because I had to find a cinema showing it in uh, the version original because obviously with. uh, Animation. France, with their version, with it being animated, they just, what's the point, you know, yeah. of the, the dubbing? But yeah, I did manage to track it down, and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Samuel's in it, there's more characters in it, and the one thing I would say about it is, in terms of the CGI and the effects, is it reminded me of, you know, when we were younger, we were watching like Spider Man and stuff, like super, superheroes have their place in animation, and I'm pretty sure when this whole you know, thing that we're going through at the moment. When that dies, it's death. I think it's where they will return. To. Well, interestingly, um, I was just working on a brief at work for the new Spider-Man film, which is obviously Sony really milking the cash cow. But this is—it's actually going to be a Spider-Man animated film. So it comes out in November, I think. Uh, it's called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And yeah, so it's it's animation. Um, it's done by Lord and Miller, who did Jump Street, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and original directors of of the Han Solo film. And that looks really interesting in terms of the visual style and stuff. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that does, especially as it's completely outside of the the Marvel MCU. What sort of animation is that going to be? It's really stylized. It's really hard to explain. It's it's not mangery, but it's 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 so like Batman animated series type. It, it's very it's it's kind of traditional, but then it's got lots of CG enhancements and a bit. Yeah, I say check out the trailer. It's called Yeah Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. It's very yeah very stylishly sort of the visuals on it, and it could uh, could be good. Could be interesting. Excellent. Well. There will be some more chat about Spider-Man later in this episode once we get into the gaming ep- uh, the gaming section. So yeah, highly reliable. That big question of why did they wait so long? However, the good news is, because I mean, this has happened with a few other films that the names escape me where they've waited much longer than they should have done and everyone's kind of gone, why did you bother? Like there was kind of, I did enjoy Sin City too, but it was like, why did you wait so long and makes, it was kind of mediocre, the second one. You know, it was like, this is this is doing it right. This is waiting, and it doesn't feel like there's any break whatsoever. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I can't wait to see it. I think yeah, I've missed that window at the cinema, but uh, I'm sure I say with the way if uh, all is getting into the the Incredibles on on the small screen, I'll probably be watching it multiple times in future, whether I want to or not. <laughs> Speaking of small screens, 
do you want to get off the segue or shall I get off the segue and we'll talk about TV? Yes. So TV, I, for once, I was, well, I don't know if I'll ever be ahead of the curve, but I was watching something fairly recent TV wise. So whilst I'm obviously playing catch up on uh, Narcos, so I'm uh, about halfway through series two of that, which is, which is really good. I uh, decided to jump in and watch Netflix's, one of Netflix's many new releases, and that is the Lost in Space uh, remake, reboot, redo, whatever you want to call it. Well, I've watched uh, two or three, is it two? Maybe just two episodes of that and had mixed feelings to it so I'd be very interested to hear what you think after what because you watched all of it yeah yeah so yeah I watched all of season one so it's 10 episodes was an interesting setup and a different spin on the original series I mean in all honesty I don't really have any um, any knowledge of the original 1960s series you know you and I went and saw the the 90s late 90s <laughs> uh, reboot with Fat, uh, Matt LeBlanc and William Hurt and Heather Graham and stuff which was we I think we kind of really enjoyed it because we watched it in America and we thought it was awesome and then you watched it again and it kind of you oh Gary Oldman's in it as well as a yeah, giant, giant spider or something but yeah it's it's definitely an improvement on that it goes to say it's an interesting spin on the original series which was just focused on the one Robinson family whereas this has a lot more characters to play with it's got some really good production values you know very yeah it looks great very good CG the first few episodes are really gripping and they are I think a few of them are directed by Neil Marshall who is a Geordie director who started off doing he did uh, Dog Soldiers he's done a lot of directing for Game of Thrones as well so he's a very talented director and yes yeah, some of the first episodes are great but it's the typical um, Netflix curse of padding there's at least you know maybe two three episodes in the middle you could cut out and it doesn't really add anything to the story or character development towards the end it starts there's lots of lost style plot strands to set up future series so yeah there's quite a few sort of cliffhangers um, I'm not sure if i will uh, jump into the second series if it does happen that says a lot yeah it's it's sort of like uh, with with tv there's so much out there so i'm not gonna rush back if if there's nothing else on i might give it a go but i say with the, with there's so much tv out there I, I probably will give the second series if it does get a if can i get a second series um <laughs> if it does get a second series i probably will give it a miss well i can say in its Defense because I switched off, I think, after two episodes going, meh, pear. And I went online and I checked, or I think I saw what other people were saying about it. It might have even been in one of the film groups that we follow. But I heard somebody writing a very impassioned and positive review of it. And it seemed to be that their point was, I watched this with my kids and it's one of the best series I've ever watched. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, I think- Well, I suppose that's a good point. You know, there are the kids' characters are, are, are quite good in it. You know, to be fair to it, they are, you know, they're not annoying like most of them were in the in the 90s film version. You know, the kids are actually, they, yeah. you spend a lot of time with the characters and most of the characters, you know, are, are quite interesting. The, the villain, Dr. Smith, is actually this time played by a woman by um, sort of classic 80s actress Parker Posey and she's she's pretty annoying but yeah it's, it's got some some good characters in it but it's just a bit sort of like 
as you say, it's it's a real derogatory, but it's a bit meh. As you say, the production of what I saw in the first two episodes, Lost in Space, was great. The setup was good. It was interesting. It was fresh. And obviously, there's going to be lots of relationship dynamics going on. But I was just like, this isn't for me. Yeah. Are there any series you want to talk about? Not in much detail. I mean, just really to update you on on what some of what people might be watching, and not to spoil anything. But yeah, um, happily enjoying the most recent version, uh, most recent series of Better Call Saul. I think we're up to series four now. I forget. We've had to wait a long time uh, for this series. Just well, just a bit longer. I think it. I think it come, It was supposed to come out a bit earlier. I'm not sure. I haven't read into why the delay was. Uh, but that's great and it's getting much more like the really good bits of Breaking Bad which is the more criminal content yeah I'll be interested to see how I mean I haven't watched any of of, uh, Better Call Saul but obviously being a prequel is it's obviously going to catch up to Breaking Bad at some point is it showing any signs of that it'll end and that's what you've got to respect Vince Gilligan for is that I reckon there'll be fifth se- five series and it'll be done. Yeah, and, and I, I I can't say how many how much I love that about you know it's the it's what is everything that's wrong with series is them trying to make more than five. Yeah, or, or even that much really. You know, it's 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 about telling a story. It's not about making money. So yeah, I mean, I'm watching. I've been watching that and uh, what's it called, Money Heist or Casa de Papel, which everyone is watch- watching. And to a lesser extent, that seems to be going through. That seems to be so. I mean, it's great. I highly recommend watching it. But it seems to be suffering from two different things. One is Netflix's need to pad, as you were talking about padding, and the other is because it's obviously Spanish-made, and this is not at all stereotypical comment, but it's a bit heavy on the melodrama like a good spanish soap in places okay it loses some of its punch um that it established in the first season at least and it is very much a sort of mr robot well what are you going to do now you know it's right. a heist and you've robbed the bank what are you going to do now type thing we um, must go back to the bank <laughs> yeah it's, it's about the chase it's about the escape and this is how they spend the money I guess that brings us to Jack Ryan. Yes, yes. So, new Jack Ryan. I think there's been as many Jack Ryans as there has been Batman. Right. That's good to know. I think, uh, I think our favorite Alec Baldwin. Yeah. So, I don't think I've read any of the novels. Have you read any of the Tom Clancy novels? No. So, yeah, I can't sort of say how accurate the the characters to the novels but from reading online and reading in our movie groups apparently Alec Bowie's Dr. Ryan is the closest to the the book character and the Harrison Ford is a massive deviation from it it's just apparently Harrison Ford playing Harrison Ford whereas this I watched um, Hunt for Red October recently and this does feel a bit more like the 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 Dr. Ryan part of it. He's a very intelligent guy that doubles in a bit of action. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I watched the first episode of, of this uh, literally the other night. So it's got Jim from The Office, whatever, whatever John, John, John Krasinski, Krasinski. Whatever. Whatever. But no, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, it was really good, really gripping, quite violent. I'll, I think I will continue to watch it. I think it was had shades of Homeland, but in a good way, before Homeland went silly in terms of the sort of, you know, chasing the terrorists and stuff like that. I need to give him more time because I, I, and I need to stop drinking so much red wine before I sit down because I, I think I got like 40, 
45 minutes into the first how long is the first episode i think i, I, I don't know i think it's an hour. hour yeah i think it's an hour yeah so i was like i was like this is good this is good it was just a, it's not because it was boring it was just a late late evening so i'll have mm. to go back i will be delving uh, into it. i thought it was a really good sort of spy modern spy thriller so yes looking forward uh, into sort of trying to juggle that with with my many other series as well well, yeah, the other one that I won't really talk about in much detail other than to say that it is very good is Ozark. I watched the first season and I um, I am just waiting uh, for my wife to catch up. She's loving the first season as well. And then we're going to go watch the second. But I'm not sure what it's like. But so more information on that later. Yeah, and I've, I've heard uh, I've heard a few people recommend that to me. I watched the first episode um, with my wife and she thought it was too intense and too stressful so i'll we'll try and get back into it at some point i think what you'll like about it the same thing as me is what happened if michael bluth was still michael bluth and it was a serious gangster film <laughs> yes yes that does uh... you know he's trying to hold the family together <laughs> but this time it's not laughs what, it's... what's what's the most important thing breakfast no no family family's the most important thing yeah exactly exactly so yeah i'd say that finishes it for me from uh tv unless there's anything else you want to discuss well just quickly on the point of michael bluth i watched the latest series of arrested development and yeah it is sadly it is very much diminishing returns it's got some some good giggles but it's it's nowhere near the uh the heights of the the, the original first three series so i'd say yeah, yeah, I'd say it's for completists only. It's not. It's a shame because it's all the same people involved, but it's just kind of lost that spark it once had. Shall we move on to uh, video games? Do, do, are well, they still called video games? It's more consoles or just gaming. gaming? I think it's called gaming, but I think the um, the gambling commission of Las Vegas have decided to call it ga- gaming in the hope that you know it'll all come under the same umbrella one day. But uh, yeah, Christmas is only four months away. <laughs> no, uh, the games are coming out. We are in yeah, we're we're just in that period of the year where a bunch of games come out. Um, they they kind of wait their turn, but we have you know got Red Red for Dead Redemption Two coming out. Uh, there's obviously the new. Um, Call of Duty game that's coming out. There's a new Battlefield Five that's coming out, and there's and there's there's a bunch of other games. But the most recent that's come out, we were talking about the film earlier, is Spider-Man. As we've talked about in some of our other, when we've covered gaming in the past, we don't play a lot, but the games we do play are kind of related to films in some way. Whether it's the the movie aspect of the Uncharted series, uh, or or The Last of Us, or whether it be the Batman, um, but that's the games. Yeah, the Arkham series. Uh, I'm, I've looked online and I haven't actually found uh, Rocksteady, the studio behind the Arkham s- series. I really want to find out what they think of this Spider-Man um, game because, yes, there are some there are people on one side that are saying that this is is this the best superhero video game that's ever been made, Spider-Man, and I would say possibly. Um, the first thing to point out is that you're in a New York which is much more accurate um, than anything you've seen in GTA. It is it is New York. It is the size of New York. The buildings are identical. Some of the brand names have changed. But it is, it is crazy just to be running about in such a highly accurate geographical location. That's the first thing. 
However, the combat system seems to have been completely lifted from Arkham. Like, I mean, yeah, a lot of the reviews I read have mentioned that it's just shamefully lifted from Arkham. To the extent where, I mean, I pre I pre ordered this game months ago. I knew I was going to play it. I knew what a big title it was going to be for PlayStation. I'd, I'd seen the trailer for it, but honestly, after downloading it and playing it for ten minutes, I actually go online and check to see who made it. I was like, I'm, this this no this 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 must be. This, this must be... They, they must have been involved somewhere. Yeah. They, they must be using the same engine, you know? I mean, it's it's scandalous. I mean, it's it's not scandalous because we're the consumer. We should be happy with the end product. It is amazing. And they are doing things in this game that they don't do in the Arkham series. If Arkham and GTA had a child and Marvel were involved, this is the product. And it's brilliant. There's some, there's some great story. There's some great detective side to it. There's great stealth. There's great action. There's great set pieces. There is much more than just, you know, boss levels. They do some great stuff where, like, you're chasing the car through, through, um, through the streets, as you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, when you actually get on the car, you're flipping about, avoiding gunshots and stuff and still trying to take the guys out. All of the way that it's put together is great. But the one thing, the, the oh my God, wow, I think I texted you after playing it for about five minutes is you get up on the top of a building and the first time you start swinging through, it is just unbelievable sensation. Like they've obviously, I mean, there's articles about this, how much they invested on the physics and the, the feel and the look and feel and how it's a combination of everything you've seen in all of the recent films of how he moves and flips and goes through the air. And, you know, you're thinking, oh, my God, it's going to be really complicated and you're going to have to, like, point at each building. You know, that was the worry that everyone had. Yeah. And I'm not spoiling anything when I tell you that on the tutorial, it just goes to swing in between buildings, hold R2. Nice. And that is it, you know. Everything else is trip, tricks and flicks and stuff like that, you know. So the, the thing that you want to be able to do and look as clean and cool as possible is just pressing one button. Like, it's a very clever thing that they've done. You know, they... Well, I remember playing, I think it was Spider-Man 2 game on PS2. Yeah, the PS2. And I think that was the last good one that they did and they managed to get. That was one of the best things was, I think it was open world... I remember that. Yeah, yeah and the, the, the web, web slinging, swinging was one of the best things of just, you know, racing around the city. But, yeah, it's, uh, I'm imagine with, uh, obviously, the graphics and engines of, of today, that is probably something special. So, yes, I, I will have to get around to giving that a go at some point, but I have other games to keep me occupied in the meantime. You've got a bunch of titles to get through, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, but it's brilliant how there's some things that it's, it's so Marvel in some ways. Like, there's a ton of suits. Like, where did all these suits come from? And they all look like Spider-Man, but they're all slightly different. They're all pretty cool. There's the Stark suit from from the Avengers films that Spider-Man has appeared in. And yes, there is there is actually a suit that has those spider iron arms that come out. Oh, uh, okay. Which is a lot of fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, wish fulfillment. For somebody who grew up watching Spider-Man cartoons and has watched uh, the the brilliant Spider-Man 2, the so-so Spider-Man 1, the terrible Spider-Man 3, and Andrew Garfield giving it a good go in the in more recently. This is uh, this is it was worth the wait. It's a great it's up there. It's as good as um, Arkham and it's just a much more Spider-Man happy, not so much happy, but a much more upbeat 
sunny New York. Yes, there's crime, but you know, Gotham is so dark in comparison. This is, um, it embraces that tone very well. He's, he's got some very good comedy, you know. Well, I think obviously, you know, it is uh, titled as Marvel's Spider-Man. So I think they've had a lot of involvement in it in terms of, and probably in the same way that um, obviously the Arkham games, they brought on the writers from the animated series and stuff like that. So, you know, it's not just a, a game producer making, you know, having some sort of artistic license in terms of the, and that, that's what I've read in the reviews. It's a very good Spider-Man slash Peter Parker story. I know he's great as both. You enjoy, you know, you enjoy snooping around as him, and uh, the characters are brilliantly drawn. And the fact that it's um, it's not a fucking another fucking origin story. It's he's been around the block. There's even some great lines from some of the the um, the hoods. What are they called? Um, the who you know that go around with the bad guys was like yeah I remember when he was just a, a pissy little teenager and the boss they're talking about Kingpin they used used to kick his ass all the time and they're basically you know it's very much he's further down the line he's got a history with all of these villains okay. he's, got, he's, he's got a history with Kingpin and Kingpin's draw is very good in it as well you know he's very much the the big he's, is he you know it's always him and Osborne sort of thing but uh, Dr. Ock everyone's in so I mean I think I'm only 30% through the game and I am loving it so cool. uh, yeah I mean not so much just to quickly touch on the other ones that are coming out Battlefield uh, obviously Battlefield 1 was a celebration of well a com- commemorative you know 100 years since the Great War a very loving artistic piece very very well done in terms of tone and how to remember the fallen and an amazing kick-ass fps game with all the retro weapons and flying biplanes and all of that it was an amazing game whereas this battlefield 5 which i pre-ordered to get the beta i played the beta it's a really bad sequel and i've since cancelled my pre-order which you can do playstation and instead i've just i took the money from that and just went for the uh, the new COD uh, Black Ops 4 which the beta has just dropped so more information on that but yeah it just goes to show that these game studios can get just as lazy as movie studios uh, yeah it's 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 a very much a FIFA upgrade if you know what I mean well that's that's the most sort of damning statement you can give to any game yeah they've, just, they've touched up a few things here and there and the fact is you know Battlefield 1 is so good and there's still so many people playing it like if I want a game on it if I want a, you know like a period piece I'll go back and play that I'm not going to buy a World War 2 version which has not had as much thought put into it and is a cash grab might as well just no I'll just do what I do with FIFA and Pro Evo I'll, I'll give skip Battlefield a year. <laughs> yeah skip a year and I'll check out the COD because yeah. it, it's been a while since I got into I've taken a break from Call of Duty and Obviously, they always look sleeker, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So uh, the only last thing I would say about gaming is that even though tons of people will buy it because of the success of GTA, Red Dead 2 doesn't look that impressive. I'm, I may eat my words when it comes out and love it, but from the looks of the trailers, it looks like it looks like they've, they've taken a lot of what works for GTA 5 and ported that across. There's going to be much more multiplayer. But it looks very similar to the first Red for Dead, which was not bad, but just to have that again. More of the same. I could, as I said, I could stand corrected. I don't know what's, I mean, this is Rockstar we're talking about. I think it's actually Rockstar. It's not Rockstar North, is it Rockstar? It's a, it's a division that specifically make the Red for Dead games. Okay. So I think it'll, it'll depend 
when you know because they're all fighting for people's attention and spider-man has started really really strong and you know red for dead even though it's a western it's still an rpg in the same light it'd be interesting to see how they stand up against each other and there's another game i'm forgetting but i'll put it on the blog there's a lot of games coming out between now and i would i'm not even going to say christmas because they've all got to be out before black friday yeah. you know that's the thing they are all out by mid to late november so more on that to come but so those poor parents can start saving up for these 60 pound games much well they're more expensive i know i live in uh, in france but they're more they seem to be more expensive here they're like 70 70 euros so, and with the exchange rate that's they're 70 or 80 euro and that's like good 65 70 quid yeah that's crazy I, I, playstation games i mean they're arguing that more goes into it and it's like mm, i don't i don't buy that they've even with allowing for inflation playstation games were never more than 30 or 40 quid were they were like 40 I think quid. they were like 45 top end yeah that was when they were brand new so yeah. now they start like it's 60 and the only reason I bring this up is the only people it screws over it's not really us consumers because it's about choice and it's not like we should be able to own every game it should be about opportunity cost but the people I think about are like the indep- the indies you know the indie markets the independent games yeah. is that they can't price themselves as well I mean, just obviously, there's a very big fans of Naughty Dog in terms of what they do for Uncharted and uh, and, Lo- and Last of Us. But when they released Legacy, the what was spin-off, it? yeah, the Uncharted Lost Legacy, it was 25 quid. Yeah, it's basically them saying, "Hey, look, we're using the same engine as Uncharted 4. Here's a brand new story, and it was 25 quid." That's how studios should behave, rather than here's a reskinning with some slightly improved graphics you know and, and, that, and that's not to mention all the dlc stuff that you have to pay extra for well as you see with these games that mm. you know get you get half a game which uh i do the good thing this is why we're going to say social media does work because these studios do listen like um or they do react much more than they used to like fifa had pretty poor sales for the new one sorry for last year's it had, there was obviously FIFA 17 was a massive massive uh, leap forward in the gaming engine but they started flogging um, FIFA sorry FIFA 17 was the great game they started flogging FIFA 18 in the lead up to the World Cup for 16 quid on the store oh, okay loads of people bought it you know so I mean they kind of it'll be interesting when the next when the next consoles come out and we get rid of the discs because I think that's what's going to happen uh, it wouldn't actually really bother me. It might. It would have bothered me when I was a student and I was buying secondhand games. It doesn't bother me now because I actually, I actually. Can you believe that I actually? I have to. I kind of sigh when I have to get up and take a disc out now because <laughs> I think I've got eighty percent of my games are downloaded. Yeah. You know. So it's like, oh yeah, Grand Theft Auto is a is a disc game. You know. So I think I think it will come and it'll be interesting to see how the games are priced. Well, the, the I mean, I've I've just obviously I've got your old PS4 and I've uh, I I bought Just Cause Three off the PlayStation Store in their summer sale and I got like the special edition of that for something like six seven pounds. The original the the like standalone version was five pounds, but this had all like the DLC stuff and the DLC separately was something like fifteen pounds. So yeah, it's I mean the model's still a bit off, but. In terms of their Sony's online sale, you could still get. I think you could get the the Arkham Remastered trilogy for like fifteen quid. So, obviously, they're a bit older, but it shows that they're still making the online game in the sales and stuff. It's still you know the good value. 
I'm I'm hoping it will all align in the it'll all sort itself out in that it'll it'll go to downloads only and then all of the kids who've got to have the game as soon as it comes out they will buy at full price and the poor parents which would probably include myself by that stage they will have to front the cost but the rest of us who want to play games we just have to be patient you know and just wait that was what i was like when i got my ps3 i got it like because i'd been away traveling and got it for a year or at least i think it was almost a year and a half after it had come out and so i had this period where all the games i was playing all the original games and they're all really cheap but i very quickly caught up and wanted the you know the latest greatest games so It'll be interesting to see how digital only will affect, but then the streaming, the Steam, you know, there's all these other things. There's Nintendo doing some, like the Switch has done really well. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the second installment of that because in terms of, they're always trying to mix things up, Nintendo. Yeah, and whether this whole VR shenanigans will ever take off as well or mixed reality gaming because they're pouring billions into that, aren't they? Yeah, I'm still holding fire. Like everyone's like, "Oh, you love your PlayStation? Have you got the VR?" I'm just like, "Nope, <laughs> no." Nope, Four hundred yeah. quid for like a headset and a lot of wires, and I think, I don't know. I just think it's it's at least five. Give, yeah, give it time. Give it time. Yeah, at least five years away. So uh, I think we've been yapping for long enough. That's that's everything I have to say, uh, George. What have we got coming up in our next uh, when we're back to normal and we go back in time and we do retro ramble? Our regular schedule. We've got our. A Van Damme double bill of Bloodsport and Hard Target, so that'll be out soon. It may even be no, we'll probably get this episode out beforehand, but that'll be out towards the end of September. Cool. I say that, and then we've got some interesting uh, films to finish the year off. Some 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 big hits, some two eighties classics to to see the year off. But obviously, there's the release of The Predator comes out very very soon. So I wouldn't be surprised if you and I may uh, share our thoughts on that at some point as well. When is that out? Actually, it was well, out in the UK this weekend. So I don't know when it is out in France. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll obviously see it as soon as I can. Shame we couldn't see it together, but that, that, I, that I'd be interested to see how it goes. As I say, really upset about the trailer, but hopefully the film will make up for it. Yes, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Great, so that's been Recent Ramble. I don't know if you, you guys enjoy these more, less, or the same as our usual episodes, just to show that we've still got an interest in what's going on in the world of TV, cinema, and all things related. So I've been Charlie McGee. I've been George McGee. And uh, we will see you very soon. Yes, uh, please remember, if you do like what we're doing, please share with your like-minded people, with your friends, uh, but also leave us a review on iTunes because uh, these things count. It gets us to a a wider audience. So, yes, uh, feel free to share the love. And specifically iTunes because we are on every other platform. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, what's it, Acast? Yeah, Acast. Um, most most podcast platforms, you know, we're on there. But I did read the other day that about over 80% of podcasts are listened to via iOS. So, yeah, if yeah, if you listen to us on, on uh, iTunes, you know, just just leave us through. You know, just go, go for it. Cool. Okay, and we're obviously at retroramble.blog. So that's everything. I hope you enjoy the show, and we'll see you next time. See you soon. Bye-bye.